This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, the podcast where we get you all caught up on everything happening in North Shore high school sports scene, especially with the fun summer headlines that we have for you guys in this week's episode. I'm Michael Dwojek here with one of the founding members of the record North Shore. That's Marty Carlino. Joe Coughlin has the week off as he is uh, still welcoming his uh second uh, child into the world. So we are uh, going to uh, talk and make it a two-man booth for this week's episode. Um, we're going to do our regular four-quarter format for this week, where um, in the first quarter, we talk about a local athlete who is going to be competing in Tokyo for the Olympics, while also looking down memory lane because we are uh, halfway through 2021, which is pretty crazy to think about, but um, we've got some good memories to talk about. So that'll be fun. Um, in the second quarter, we are joined by new Trier boys lacrosse uh, player Jesse Shapiro. In the third quarter, we play Way or No Way. And then in the fourth quarter, we give a quick uh, Gage Gym update since uh, we have news there. And we'll also talk about the summer basketball uh, that is happening and uh, some of the names that are really catching uh, some people in the state Um by uh, just what they're able to do at some local tournaments. So we'll get you guys all caught up on that. But why don't we jump on in now to the first quarter where uh, let's start things off and congratulate um, Nutrier's own Maggie Shea, who um, is going to be uh, sailing in the Tokyo uh, Olympics in, uh, I guess, the next month now. Um, she uh, graduated from Nutrier in 2007 and then went on to uh, Connecticut College in uh, 2011, she has uh, world championship experience, earning a bronze and the 2020 uh, competition, um, meddling there twice, also meddling with the bronze um, in 2014. But uh, Marty, I know there uh, might be uh, some uh, other people, but um, really cool to have Maggie Shea uh, represent the area um, at the Olympic Games. Yeah, super awesome to see, as you mentioned there, Michael. And I think sometimes, you know, people maybe have a, a bit of a hard time understanding just how hard, just how difficult it is to, um, you know, not only qualify for the Olympic trials, but then eventually, um, you know, succeed in those trials and make it to the Olympics. I mean, it's 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 really an incredible achievement, and it just can't be um, stated how how impressive it is to reach that point. So congratulations to uh, Maggie. We'll be cheering her on. And it's always a great story when a local makes an Olympic run. I remember I had a chance earlier this year to um, touch base with Grace Joyce, another new chair graduate, Northfield native, who had a shot at the Olympic Games herself in rowing. Uh, unfortunately, Grace fell just just a bit short this year, but she uh, she let us know that she's full speed ahead for the 2024 game. So really interesting to consider as well. Also that, um, you know, so many athletes that extra year um, in which the Olympics were postponed due to the pandemic that really uh, benefited a lot of athletes in a sense 
Not sure if it played a huge factoring into uh, Maggie and her chance at uh, the games and her chance to potentially medal. But I know for Grace, it was a big factor because that extra year allowed her the chance at the 2020 games, which of course are now taking place in 2021, as opposed to her first chance coming in 24. So uh, a lot of interesting storylines came from uh, the games being pushed back a year and, um, you know, we'll see how it goes from here, but great story and uh, congratulations to Maggie. Yeah, definitely very impressive. Uh, have you ever uh, sailed? Are you a sailor um, out there on Lake Michigan uh, waters or are you more of uh, just enjoy uh, and let someone else uh, sail out there? Yeah, I can confidently say I am not. And the fact of steering any kind of uh, vessel or any kind of boat uh, or anything on water terrifies me. So uh, good, good thing I have not been the captain of, of any, any, any land or any water vehicle. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can, uh, I can drive a mean pontoon boat, but that's pretty much it. I don't know if I can go around and, uh, sail across, <laughs> sail around with, uh, just, uh, the sails to help me out. I need a whole motor and all that kind of stuff, but congratulations to Maggie and, uh, we'll obviously be following her as she, uh, makes her, uh, dreams come true at the Olympic games. But um, we're going to talk about our favorite uh, moments from this uh, 2021 year. So that includes uh, most of the winter season, because I don't think the winter season really got started until uh, the new calendar year started. Um, and then obviously the spring and quasi summer sports as well. But uh, Marty, I'll let you uh, start off here just uh, to talk about like, what, what, what was your, I know there's, it was a year where um, it was the return year basically where we were kind of talking about whether we're going to get back to things and, um, all of a sudden everything came back and we just rushed back into stuff. But, um, what were your, some of your favorite just memories, um, from the first half of this, uh, 2021 calendar year? Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to preface our, our conversation on this by saying that there were so many great moments throughout uh, the first half of this year for, for us to be able to touch on all of them. We'd be, you know, looking at a two hour, three hour podcast. So apologies in advance for anything we don't mention. We, certainly probably covered it and we're probably there reporting and uh, photographing it. So um, we'll do our best to just recap some uh, of the highlights right here, but I'm going to start out, Michael. And I think uh, this was very early on in the new year. Um, you know, if not just, just a few weeks in, if I'm not mistaken, but one of my favorite moments came when uh, Loyola, the Loyola boys basketball team opened up their season um, at Loyola. I believe it was against Maine South. Um, and, you know, this may just seem like an ordinary basketball game to some, but it, it definitely wasn't when you consider the factors, because this was the first basketball game that was played um, in our coverage area that involved one of our teams. And um, the reason I think it was a memorable moment is because it sort of set the path, set the road ahead for what was to come and gave us hope that um, there were brighter times ahead and there were better things to come. Obviously it was a, a crazy season and, you know, both Loyola and Nutria on the basketball side, side of things. And, you know, on both boys and girls experienced their ups and downs this year. Um, you know, a couple of the teams even experienced some cancellations and some uh, postponements due to um, COVID-19 related issues. So um, that, that first game though, I think was a great moment for, for the kids, for the coaches, um, for, for parents, for fans, for, um, for all those populations that take great interest in, in local high school sports, um, it just gave us some hope. And it was the first time we had seen uh, live sporting action in, in a couple months. So um, that was a really great moment. And, and that's one that, that I'll remember for sure. And 
Um, you, I know you had the chance to cover the game, Michael, so I'm sure you have some, some interesting takeaways and stories from, from that evening as well. Yeah, it was definitely fun um, just covering that game. Just game, I don't know, it felt weird to be back at it. You obviously still had to wear um, masks because not, I don't think, vaccines were just at their uh, peak or at, just at the beginning. So um, everyone had to wear a mask. You, had to, you weren't sure what was okay, what was not okay to do and that kind of stuff. But um, obviously we got the news and the guidance that it was okay to go cover stuff. So that was, uh, um, it was just fun to watch kids get back and, um, get an opportunity to compete and um, kind of going off that basketball point. I mean, I remember covering, um, it was Nutrier um, playing, uh, I think it was Evanston or whatever at the end of the year where um, both the boys and girls had double header and the boys um, ended up getting a share of the CSL South title because of the way they competed down the stretch. And um, those games were just so fun. And even though the game that I covered for the boys was a loss, um, it was still a, a hype moment where, um, it was just, it just felt like things were back to normal where you had the opportunity to compete for a, you had Evanston and New Trier playing against each other for a division title. Like there was a lot to it. I mean, you had, um, there's a sense uh, of normalcy to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you had like, uh, um, um, Monroe, like hit a three fourth court, like shot at the buzzer. Like you just had that kind of stuff that used to get you excited, um, pre pandemic. And it felt good to have that again. And then, um, the first game I covered, then I was the girls, uh, New Trier team just dominating Evanston, uh, making shots everywhere, moving the ball easily around. And it was just, and it was fun because I think that was the first game where the parents were allowed or, um, and that kind of stuff. So it was fun to get some sort of interaction there as well. But, um, yeah, like covering the first basketball games and covering those high intensity basketball games were, um, a lot of fun because it felt normal after a whole year of like having that normal. I mean, we had covered stuff in the fall where we covered cross country and we covered, um, tennis and that kind of stuff but um those kind of sports are fun and obviously a lot of high intensity but um there's just something different about like close contact competition that you get in like basketball and those types of sports as opposed to um obviously the tough competition you get when um you're competing running against someone or like playing against tennis against someone else you know what i mean yeah, for sure. And there were some great shots from our photographer that night. I believe it was uh, Scott Margolin who shot photos for us uh, at that Loyola game. And I just remember there was uh, a shot of the five starters on the actual bench and the rest of the players spread out in the stands, all six feet right. with, with masks on. And that was kind of, you know, symbolic of, of what the what the evening was. It was it was a basketball game, but it was a basketball game with different circumstances than, than we had ever seen before. So, um, you know, certainly, you know, a unique time that we'll never forget and, um, that we'll always have, have memories of both, both the good and the bad memories, but, um, I'll, I'll, I'll never remember, uh, a photographer filing photos with, um, basketball players wearing masks and basketball players spread out. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a sign of things ahead, a sign of positivity. And it was the first maybe positive sign that we had seen in a long time. So that was, that was one moment that, that really sticks out a, a couple, couple more for me throughout this year, just to go through, obviously when, uh, when football came back after um, the delay that it had experienced in addition to all of the other fall sports that had uh, experienced delays and not being able to play in the traditional fall sports. When those sports came back, that was, I think, the biggest 
um, jolt of momentum, the biggest positive sign we had we had got um, both related to sports and both related to our, our living in the world during this pandemic. That was uh, a good sign that things were headed on the road back to normalcy. And um, you know, it was a football season I'll never forget. A lot of memories, six game season, uh, plenty of fun times though mixed in there covering Nutrier and uh, obviously with uh, with Joe Neal and yourself, Michael, covering Loyola this year. Plenty of memories there. Um, so so that that's a highlight as well. And then I've got a shout out on the, on the more recent note, the Loyola girls lacrosse team um, finishing off their perfect season with a state title and just watching them dominate and play um, just tremendous lacrosse the entire season. That that's a memory I'll never forget and a very memorable moment from uh, from the first half of this year. And then also new cheers run in new cheers run in baseball It. uh, that game, that super sectional final game against Oak Park River Forest uh, was one of the best high school games I've ever covered. And um, just an incredible back and forth affair and great run for the check for the Trevians just uh, came a little, came up a little short against Lake Park, but so many great memories. Those are just a couple of the ones that, uh, that really stick out for me. Yeah, definitely. And um, for me, I did, it's probably the last thing that I covered where um, you had the boys lacrosse team from Loyola winning a state championship. I mean, um, they got into the, um, they got into the way of, uh, trailing at the half and being a second half team, which obviously makes things fun for, uh, viewers and not things fun for coaches and players and that kind of stuff. But, um, it was just fun to watch that whole crowd where it was a beautiful, like sunny, warm day, kind of hot. Um, you had crowd, you had the whole stands like filled with fans, um, no mass required cause you're outside and everything like that. And it just felt like the closest we've been, um, to just being normal where everything was fun and um, everyone was there to cheer on a state championship game um, between uh, two really talented teams. So that moment and just Loyola coming back to win that state title um, was obviously something that was a lot of fun and something that um, is only something that we can hope for at this point where um, we move forward, where hopefully in the fall, you just have a, a normal year where you have football, you have everything, no, uh, no problems. Everyone's able to compete. Everyone's able to uh, go somewhere. And hopefully um, that's exactly where uh, we're heading. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, you'll agree insane and an unforgettable first part of 2021. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like you were talking about earlier before like the photos, like those photos are going to be wild to like look back at like 40 years from now or even 30 or even like two years from now. Where you're just yeah. like, Remember we had to wear a mask like when we were playing basketball or covering basketball. It's like that's yeah. insane. That's crazy. Like even now when we were looking um, and doing some prep and looking at some old uh, golf photos of what, we co- of what we covered from the fall, like everyone is wearing a mask when they're posing with the trophy. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. That's like insane. Like you never would have figured that. But um, it obviously tells you of how far we've come um, and what uh, we were able to uh, overcome. But um, those are just some of the fun things that we were talking about um, in the first half of 2021. Um, we're going to move on over now to the second quarter. Where we're actually joined by Nutria Boys lacrosse player Jesse uh, Shapiro, and he uh, he talks about like what it was like to compete in this past year, um, just dealing with all the adversity and all the different things that he um, was battling with as a team, just trying to play through it all, and um, some other fun tidbits as well as we cut up with uh, Jesse Shapiro um, this past week. What uh, was it like just competing in this past year, especially, you know, with everything going on? Yeah, it was, it was super interesting. And um, obviously it it didn't end up um, the way that we wanted 
that we wanted it, you know, hope we were hoping for a, a state championship, but um, with everything going on, I thought that this year, um, in terms of a team camaraderie standpoint, um, we were really able to, you know, come together and I formed such great relationships with the sophomores and freshmen that were on the team. Um, and I think I, you know, while we didn't walk away with the state championship, I walked away with, you know, 20 new friends um, for life. And I think that personally, um, the season was a little bit up and down for me, to be honest. Um, and I sort of questioned whether or not all the work I put in the off season would, you know, sort of translate to on the field. There were times where I was sort of doubting myself, but um, I'm I'm proud of the way that I finished the season personally um, with the with my performance in the game. So I think it's just a lesson of you really never know when the work you're putting in will actually translate to what's going on, but it will eventually happen. And um, I think you know I, I'm I'm grateful for that, and um, you know it, it wouldn't have happened without my teammates and my my family and my two good best camp friends for always supporting me and um yeah it's it was up and down for sure it wasn't easy for anybody but um I, I'm leaving with my head up high and a smile on my face yeah thanks so much Jesse for joining us and thank you to, as always to all the players and coaches who join us always good to get you guys insight on everything that is going on in the area. So we're halfway through the podcast. Let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, we're going to do our weekly game of way or no way here in the third quarter. This week we're going to do the summer version of that, which is three questions. Um, There are only so many questions you can think of during the summer, but – um, we're going to try to tackle the best um, so far here in uh, our three questions. So, way or no way, Marty, uh, we had some basketball action happening at the Ridgewood Classic. Uh, both Loyola and Nutria competed and had some good results there. But way or no way that this Nutria boys basketball team can win the CSL South based on what you've seen um, early in the summer and what you've seen from last year's team? First off, got a shout out for a great tournament. My uh, my alma mater, Ridgewood High School. Great tournament. Proud Ridgewood alum. Back to your question, Michael. I'm going to say way on this one. Uh, I think we saw a lot of positives from Nutria last season. I think we saw some explosiveness from that offense. They showed us an ability to score in transition, score in the half court, and they've got some good um, talent returning from the roster last season. And this, this was a roster last season that pushed both Glenbrook South and Evanston. Obviously the big two threats coming back in the conference are going to be GBS and Evanston. Those two teams have seemingly developed into, um, you know, for lack of a better term, powerhouses the last couple of years, and they've kind of dominated CSL play and, and play outside of the CSL as well. So they'll be, they'll be tough teams to top no matter what. you got to figure they're returning good talent as well. Uh, I'm not sure what the status of uh, Martinelli is. Is he, a, is he a junior or a senior, Michael? He was a junior. Okay, so he's he'll be back. He's coming back. You know, the Titans will will have a good team around him most likely, so they're going to be a threat. But I'm going to say way. I think that 
and, and we'll, we'll touch on, you know, what the Trevians have showed us this summer so far in the fourth quarter as well. But I think they're bringing back a lot of talent, a lot of names to watch out for. Um, Finn Cohen comes back. Fegan uh, seems like he's going to be a threat for them uh, beyond the arc this year. They've got some good um, low post presence as well. So uh, I think way. Man, this is so tough because obviously it's a summer and you're way too early and you don't know what's going to happen. But um, I'm going to say no way based on um, what I think Evanston and GBS can do as compared to what Nutrier can do. You talked about Evanston obviously returning a lot. They um, always seem to produce great talent, but um, that GBS team of where you have a senior um, Martinelli, Nick Martinelli, and a senior Cooper Nord who can uh, shoot it from anywhere and um, is kind of like uh, what the Evanston uh, shooter is. And I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, Blake something, but uh, Blake Peters, I think it was. Yeah, Blake Peters. He reminds me of Blake Peters a lot where he can shoot it and make it from anywhere. And I watched him. Um, play as a sophomore on varsity for GBS back when um, I was at the Lantern. But um, I think that those two players as seniors and um, what they're able to do, and that's not to take away from what Nutrier can do, but I just think the competition is very tough with Evanston and GBS where I think talking about it right now, I think it's those two teams division, but I think Nutrier is going to be right there and give them a couple of uh, tough games. Um, when they face off here in the winter. It's going to be really interesting to see the growth of Martinelli. I know from his, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but from his junior to see, to senior season, his brother, um, Dominic, took a huge step forward. Oh, yeah. Definitely. He was really He was really good, I think, his junior season, but his senior year he sort of elevated himself to one of the best handful of players in the state. And last season, Nick showed us that he's already, you know, maybe in consideration for the top 10, top 20 players in the state. So if he takes another big step forward his senior year, you know, the Titans could have maybe one of the best two or three guys in the state. So really interesting to see if he's going to follow in his brother's footsteps in that regard. Definitely. And I think one thing, key thing to look out to, and this is nothing against Dom because I mean, this is against Dom. This isn't like Dom could control this, but Nick is taller than Dom and he has, a, <laughs> um, he can, uh, he has, I feel like he has a really good position in college basketball as, as a, as a, where Dom was kind of a tweener sometimes, which made it tough a little bit, but um, I, yeah, I agree. It'll be really interesting to see what, what kind of step he's able to take when, um, where he's probably a favorite to be at least to see a South South player of the year. But um, we'll talk more about that here in the fourth quarter, but um, why don't we move over to our second way or no way question where, um, Marty, we're going to talk a little bit about the Gates gym updates and the new gym. Um, but, uh, way or no way, are you going to like this new gym better than the old traditional gym? Yeah, this is a tough one. Not being able to see what the, what the finished product is going to look like. We're, we're only kind of basing this now on the information we have in the renderings we've seen so far, the renderings, in my opinion, look, uh, you know, out of this world, state of the art. Um, beautiful renderings, what they showed us uh, of what they're planning to make both the exterior and the the interior look like. Uh, To me, though, in that process, it loses a little bit of the charm and the character that the um, that what is going to be the old gates had. So it's going to be hard to replace that because, you know, one of the only ways you can really get that nostalgic charm and um, and character is just through history and through all the experiences in uh, a gym. So I think that'll be hard to replace. So without seeing what the final product is going to look like, I'm going to go no way here. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go no way as well. I mean, everyone on this podcast knows how I felt about them changing and moving on. I get they had to do it, but you, I feel like you could have done it in a way where you can keep some of the tradition. Um, I mean, I, like you mentioned, Marty, I think the new gym is going to look very state-of-the-art, very cool, very great for the athletes who are going to be competing in it every single day. But I do agree where um, if we were doing power rankings of local gyms, I think Nutrier um, is going to lo- fall down in the power rankings. Not because, I mean, the amenities are nice, but it, like you mentioned, it just loses that luster where there's something about playing in an old school gym, which has like a lot of tradition. Um, much, it might sound weird, but like it has a smell, kind of a musk to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. With an sure. old school gym that a new, sure. that a new gym just isn't going to have. So, um, yeah, I think it's a no way for me. I don't think I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it looks great. There's a lot of money being put into it. It's going to be very state of the art and very good. And I understand why they did it. I just don't think it's going to be the same as Gates gym. Yeah. They, and you know, in fairness, they have mentioned that they do want to bring in some of the elements and some of the characteristics of the old gates into this new facility. We'll see how they actually manage to pull that, pull that off if they're able to pull it off. So I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough characterizing judgment right now because we, we aren't able to see what the finished product looks like and experience uh, a game, you know, covering a game in there or, or watching a game in there. So we'll see. I have high expectations for it. I, you know, with this, with a $75 million budget, I think you should have pretty high expectations for it. So we'll, we'll see what the end result looks like. But uh, I think me, me and Michael are in agreement with uh, we, we, we like the old feel of, of Gates. All right, final way or no way. We're about probably, what, a month and a half away from the start of golf season. So way or no way, Marty, that the new Trio Girls golf team can win a state championship this fall? Yeah, I remember back a few episodes when we talked about some of the most dominant programs in, in new Trier throughout throughout the history of the school. And one of the programs that we had mentioned was Girls Golf and the dominant stretches they've had in the past. And it seems as of right now here on on june 30th that all indications point to they'll be bringing back a very strong team this year as well the big loss for them is going to be uh last is going to be senior audrey trier who was their leader last year and uh, a sectional champ and you know really paced them um throughout the season but from everything that we've heard, they'll be bringing back uh, the strong junior, the, the strong sophomore and junior class that they had last year as well. And that was a, a, a team sectional victory as well. In addition to an individual sectional champ, that was one of the teams we had mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, that we were really disappointed. They didn't have the chance to have a state tournament because we think they could have done some damage and possibly meddled, if not won the state tournament. So a lot of that same talent is returning. So I'm going to say way on this one, Michael. Yeah, I think I'm going to say way as well. Um, you mentioned it's uh, sophomore and junior talent, sophomore Amy Bean Blossom. I mean, she finished second um, in that sectional that they competed with. And then uh, junior Carter Sickle like competed uh, and finished uh, sixth in that uh, sectional that we were talking about earlier. So I think they have the talent to do it. I think uh, they're able to always reload and kind of bring in talented golfers. So, um, yeah, I think they'll have a chance and they will uh, definitely compete for a state championship uh, this time in the fall. Um, but that's everything that we have for the third quarter here in way or no way. Let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where uh, we'll hit on a little bit what we were talking about here in the way or no way in the third quarter where 
Um, why don't we start off with doing a quick uh, Gage Gym update? I know Marty, you uh, um, have been covering this story um, for a while now. So uh, it seems like they've uh, that the board and uh, all the final uh, T's have been crossed and I's have been dotted and um, everything is a full go for uh, the renovations here. Yeah, last night, uh, Winneka's Village Council gave uh, Nutrier's plans the final stamp of approval that it needed from the village of Winneka. So just to refresh here for our, for our listeners real quick, the Nutrier had to take, had to receive, you know, various approvals and, and variations and um, had to appear in front of several Winneka boards in order for everything to move forward as they originally planned. So they first had to go in front of Winneka zoning board of appeals. Then they had to go to the design review board. Then they had to go to the plan commission. And then finally last night they appeared in front of the village council and got the approval that they need. So that was the last village of Winneka approval. And that indicates that plans are moving forward as they uh, initially had hoped for and had, and the, the, timeline that they estimated when we first reported on this prog on this project seems to still be accurate. So um, just to recap the project real quickly, because we've talked about it so many times here, but um, Nutria is going to be knocking down the old Gates Gymnasium and replacing it with a new um, $75 million athletic facility, three stories. It's going to include a, a new competition gym, six lane indoor track, artificial turf area, new cardio and weight training spaces, uh, I believe three or four auxiliary gyms, and then also on the academic side of things, 12 new classrooms. So just a massive project that's going to reimagine the east side of that Winneka campus, of New Trier's Winneka campus. So um, the official, the, the, I should say the first timeline that we were estimate, that was estimated and projected um, from school officials was that the completion date is going to be August of 2023, meaning, meaning it will be ready for the 2023 school year. All signals point that that is still accurate and they're still on track for uh, to meet that deadline. So we'll, we'll continue to update our listeners and readers as we move forward on that. Right now, the budget still seems, as I mentioned, to be $75 million. No update in regard to that yet, but we should get uh, a projected an updated projected total to see if that is still the, the cost estimate that school that school officials are anticipating. Right now, construction is planned to start in uh, December of this year. So when students break for winter break, that is when we're gonna see some of the big construction and some of the, the teardown and, and building up get going. So just a quick update, but uh, a necessary update on what's gonna be one of the biggest projects in our coverage area. Yeah, definitely. And like we talked about here in, uh, earlier in the, third quarter, obviously a different change and sad to see that uh, the uh, Gates gym is leaving. But obviously, like we've talked about throughout this process, a lot of the coaches and players have talked about how um, they just need new facilities. Like the facilities they have right now aren't good for, and I feel like people need to remember, it's not just the basketballs and the volleyballs that compete in the gym, but it's also like the weight rooms and all the classrooms and the meeting rooms and that kind of stuff where um, we've heard from coaches and players at board meetings and that kind of stuff where it was uh it was a need that was desperately uh it was yeah it was desperately needed and um obviously we would have liked to see uh some things stay the same but obviously we both agree and both know why um these changes needed to be made so it'll be interesting to uh keep that focus on we'll keep an eye on that once construction starts um but we're going to finish off talking here in the podcast about 
summer hoops where we basically the whole uh, state of Illinois basically was playing at Ridgewood High School, like Marty talked about earlier. Um, some of the best uh, college coaches were at Ridgewood looking at some of the best talent. Um, and uh, we had a, a couple of our teams uh, competing there. Real quick, and, here, uh, I feel like I feel like Joe's gonna hate us for talking basketball on an episode he's not on. So, uh, shout out to Joe. He'll probably try to edit himself in talking basketball yeah. real quickly after we finish. But uh, some summer hoops talk without our resident hoop expert. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Sorry to interrupt, but had to. Had no, to, you're all good. You yeah. had to give I a mean, shout. I, I can, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. Like. Uh, we can't, uh, obviously it's tough to talk hoops without Joe, but we'll do our best as we soldier on. But, um, Ridgewood, I feel like this tournament has become one of the best tournaments, um, in the state of Illinois. I mean, when it comes to just having all the best talent there, um, and all the best players there were, I mean, there's a reason why, um, you have, uh, Tom Izzo at the tournament and Brad Underwood and, uh, Chris Collins and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a reason why those uh, college coaches are there watching players compete. I mean, obviously I know um, some uh, elite talent obviously was there, but um, you never know what you're going to see when you go out there and check it out. So um, we also, we had our Nutrier team and Loyola team both competing. And um, one name that I kept on seeing when uh, the tournament was taking place and um, a lot of these um, college recruiting guys um, were tweeting his name out, but um, Jake Fegan really seems to have uh, blown uh, the tournament away uh, just with what he was able to do and score. Uh, he's a 2023 uh, shooting guard for New Trier. Um, seems like he was uh, really uh, able to uh, shoot from anywhere and uh, really helped his cause for not only um, for just New Trier and what they're able to do and what they're looking forward to this year, Marty, but um, also his um, just recruiting profile. I mean, being able to shoot like that, Obviously, that's where the game is heading at this point. But um, just being able to shoot like that, like we talked about earlier with Cooper Nord, I mean, um, Jake Fegan seems to have really caught some eyes um, at this tournament and probably is the name a lot of people are talking about when it comes to neutral basketball. Yeah, it definitely seems like that. And I might be mistaken here, Michael, but I, I didn't have a chance to cover neutral a whole lot last season. But was one of the issues that plagued them a little bit three-point shooting? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to have a, to be able to, to get Fegan coming into the roster and what seems like is going to be a lights out knockdown shooter was going to, is going to definitely be a huge addition for them because as we talked about earlier on the podcast, you're going to have to score, um, you know, significant points, high numbers, high point totals to compete with the GBSs and the Evanston's of the world, particularly GBS, because it, all, all indications point to them being a, a really high powered, high scoring offense. So Nutria is going to need a lot of offense. And it looks like from, from the early reports that we're seeing and the early play together with this year's team, that they'll, they'll have a nice offense and be able to, uh, to compete with some of those programs that we mentioned earlier. Um, it, it seems like Jake really had a, a bit of a breakout showing in that championship game against OPRF, um, you know, really, really putting on a show at some point. And then some of the other names that we talked about earlier in the podcast, Finn Cohen, we expect to be back uh, and be a big contributor. Josh Kirkpatrick uh, going into his senior year, we expect will be a, a big part of this year's team as well. And then Jackson Monroe, who you mentioned uh, earlier, Michael, uh, big, big post presence for them, um, you know, center power forward type who's going to clean up the glass and, and, and be a big part of their team down there in, in the low post for them this year. 
Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, we mentioned and talked about it. I know I was down on it in the third quarter when we were doing way or no way, but um, that just talks about the talent where um, this ESL South that we're going to have this winter is probably going to have three of, I don't know, I'm not going to go as far as to say top 10 teams in the state, but I think you could probably say three of those teams are probably definitely going to be in the top 25 throughout the year with the talent that they have. And um, they're going to beat each other up in the CSL South where maybe that's helpful. And maybe they see each other, obviously in a regional and sectional play, but um, that CSL South is going to be tied with tough with uh, talent that GBS has coming in and the talent that we talk about new cheer and the team talent that Evanston just always has um, that battle that we covered last year for the CSL South toward the end of the season, like that's just going to get better um, this upcoming winter. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see what Evanston, uh, what kind of team Evanston is going to bring forward this year because I know they've lost a lot. They they did lose a lot of um, senior talent from last year's roster heading heading into this year. And you had mentioned Peters earlier, Michael, and I think he was a four year starter on varsity yeah. for them. So he was a huge part of what they did. And you know, obviously they had talent up and down the court. So they had they had a they had a deep roster, and I'm sure they'll they'll step in a, a new crop of talent here in a new group. That's going to be very competitive as well. So um, certainly going to watch out for them, but maybe, maybe this is the year that they, they fall to third in the conference. I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself too much, but really interested to see what the, what the kits are going to bring this year. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I, I this is no disrespect to the CSL North because I know obviously they have talented teams with Deerfield and um, those types of teams. And that was North obviously, but um, I think these three teams um, are probably the class of the conference, both divisions at this point, I would probably say. But um, we also had Loyola competing at the uh, live shootout, going one-on-one, beating Streamwood, and then losing to Homewood Flossmore. Um, they finished second in pool play. And then they uh, played against, they finished the tournament uh, with a win over Ridgewood and a loss uh, to Wheaton Warrenville South. And um we obviously talked about this Loyola team a lot last year, Marty, where um, there was a lot of senior, there was senior leadership, but um, it seemed like this, it was a team that was trying to figure out who they were for much of the season. And you saw that with their, uh, with uh, what they're able to do toward the end of the year, um, playing in a tough conference where um, it'll be really interesting to see how the summer turns out for them and what they're able to do heading into this year, because after two years, probably, Obviously, with COVID and everything, they didn't get a ch- that team didn't get a chance to compete for probably what would have been one of their best teams in program history. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what Loyola is able to do um, with uh, some of the with that senior leadership that's gone and trying to find that new identity uh, this upcoming winter. Yeah, and we had kind of classified it as a, a bit of a rebuilding year for the Ramblers last year going into it just because of how much talent they had lost from that 2019 team you mentioned, Michael, and certainly one of the best teams in in program history in program and school history. I think they had lost all five starters. So it definitely was a bit of a, of a rebuild and a new, a new wave coming in. But I, I thought given that and given everything that they had, they had to replace that it was a pretty impressive season from the Ramblers last year, they went toe to toe with the top teams in the conference and we're right there at the end of the year with a shot to compete for the conference crown. So I expect that they'll be, as always, a really sound defensive team next season. And maybe they get that little put little push of offense. They need to, to take that step forward and be a, a really elite team next season. Yeah, definitely. And 
Um, it'll be really interesting to see what they're able to do. And um, obviously we prefer the summer uh, weather over the winter weather, but um, it has been fun to talk about some basketball hoops as we had um, that classic going on and uh, get excited for what we should expect to be a lot of the fun uh, winter nights uh, covering some good basketball games here. But um, I think that's everything that we've got for this uh, episode of the podcast. Um, good to get another summer episode down and get some good insight in Mel. Thanks as always for joining us every single week. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure to like us and write a nice little review while you're there. We're available on Apple, iTunes, uh, Android, Spotify, what have you. We are everywhere. So make sure you are uh, giving us a listen and listen to old episodes as well, where we've got uh, state championships and uh, coverage and uh, interviews there as well. But um, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. For uh, Marty and I, thanks so much for joining us, and we will talk to you guys down the road. One week closer to sports returning. Thanks again. That's true. Thank you for listening to The Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.